Welcome to Getting Technetical, a Technetics podcast. Your source for insights on engineered ceiling and component solutions for the world's most demanding environments. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this episode of Getting Technetical with Technetics. I'm your host today, Tyler Kern, and today on the episode, we're discussing commercial aerospace trends for 2022. So we're casting an eye forward as well as putting it in proper context, putting these trends in the proper context of what's been going on in 2021. And joining me here on the show today is Jason Riggs. He's the Director of Strategy for the Americas at Technetics. Jason, welcome to the show. Thanks for joining me. Hey, good to see you, Tyler. Thanks for having me. So, Jason, as we look at the trends looking ahead to 2022, let's start off by talking about demand. Obviously, demand tailed off uh, quite a bit during the pandemic. Let's talk about uh, whether or not you see demand reaching pre-pandemic levels once again as we look forward. Uh, start us off there. Yeah, it's a great question. So we we do fully expect that the commercial aero market will return to pre-pandemic levels at some point. The question, of course, is is when. What we do know is, you know, at, at, the, at the worst of last year, globally, traffic was down about 80 percent. Um, as we sit today, globally, daily departures are back to about 70 percent of pre-pandemic levels. So we're only down by about 30 percent globally. The U.S. is only off by about 7 percent of pre-pandemic levels. On the other hand, China is still down about 50 percent and Europe is down about 30 percent. So we really anticipated kind of entering a strong comeback period right now for Europe, particularly with their winter travel season. But of course, this new COVID-19 variant has created some uncertainty and certainly some headwinds for uh, cross-border air travel, which is definitely um, challenging to uh, Europe's recovery. On the other hand, there's a lot to be excited about in the market right now. The business jet market continues to perform really well, and it really has stayed strong uh, even through the pandemic. The 737 MAX, which has been grounded uh, for safety issues in China for quite a while, uh, was just recently given the green light to start flying again, and that's really meaningful for that market and for Boeing. On the other hand, you know, this ever-evolving virus uh, creates certainly some uncertainty and some headwinds. So with all that being said, yes, we do expect the market will recover. Uh, we do expect it to be lumpy because uh, we just don't know how some of these things are play out, will play out. But uh, we're still looking at that kind of 2023-2024 timeframe for a full recovery to pre-pandemic uh, passenger demand levels. One of the other things that has been rumored are, are production rate increases. Do you believe that those projections are, are going to come true? Are those real, these production rate increases? Well, it, it's a hot topic for discussion right now. What we do know is the airframers, i.e. Air, Airbus and Boeing, particularly Airbus, are uh, making some pretty bullish calls. The engine makers uh, don't necessarily agree. You have people like Safran who have been very public in kind of uh, pushing back on uh, some of the projections from uh, Airbus. So it's difficult to know where the truth lies, but we do know that the airframers and the engine makers are uh, kind of on two different pages. What we've seen from Airbus is they're calling for production rates somewhere around 75 per month in 2025, which just as a point of reference, that's about double where we stand today in terms of uh, production output. Is it real? It's hard to say. Uh, we, do, we do know the market's recovering. We do know Airbus is well positioned to capture some of that market, but there's also speculation that uh, they're, they're kind of putting some of these lofty goals out there as a way to put pressure on Boeing, who's kind of fallen solidly back into second place after having kind of a 50-50 duopoly for a long time. 
So we just don't know where that's going to go. Uh, I, I, you know, we do know that uh, rates are increasing. We do know that it's going to create uh, both challenges and opportunities for the supply base. So, you know, for uh, for folks like us at Technetics, we're preparing one way or another. But uh, where we actually end up in terms of true output is, is still kind of TBD. I would assume that with people kind of differing on those projections, that that makes it difficult to project forward for the supply base, right? What, what does all of this mean for the supply base and, uh, and all of the uncertainty that maybe uh, is wrapped up in that situation? Well, there's a lot of reasons to be concerned about what that means for the supply base, how the supply base is going to be affected. Um, what we do know right now is the the uh, we'll just say the aerospace and defense supply chain is already stressed, and certainly. You know, increasing rate uh, is going to create more stress and strain on the supply base. Kevin Michaels from Aerodynamic Advisory recently reported in Aviation Week that um, skilled labor, from his perspective, has emerged as kind of the main supply chain challenge. Uh, we know that, you know, there were major layoffs uh, throughout the industry in 2020, and a lot of suppliers in the aerospace and uh, defense supply chain uh, are having a difficult time recalling uh, some of those employees uh, that they need to be able to expand capacity. I've heard it said that um, within the supply chain, that the workforce is about 10 to 20 percent smaller from where it, it really should be today to support uh, current demand, uh, and as well as some of the near-term ramp. So the question then is why? Why are we having such a hard time uh, maintaining and growing the workforce? And there's a few hypotheses that have been thrown around. One is um, younger people are finding opportunities in other industries where they can get competitive wages. Uh, So perhaps their interest in aerospace has kind of declined. The other challenge that we know is is very real is, uh, you know, vaccine mandates that kind of vary state to state. uh, particularly if we look at key aerospace cities such as uh, Wichita, Phoenix, uh, Fort Worth, Savannah, Charleston, et cetera. You know, these are cities that have uh, a lot of um, key suppliers, but these are also places where, you know, vaccine levels are somewhere in the 40, 50, maybe high 50 percent range. So, you know, in cases in cities like that and places like that, where if you have, uh, you know, we'll say kind of mass resignations due to vaccine mandates, it's really challenging for a supply base that's already struggling. So, and, and the last thing I would just note in terms of, the, you know, the challenges for the supply base is really a shortage of key inputs. Um, so if we think about castings and forgings, those were a problem before the pandemic. Uh, if you're building assemblies that rely on investment castings and such, you were struggling before the pandemic. And that situation certainly hasn't gotten worse. And now we're hearing about uh, chemicals and adhesives, for instance, being in short supply. Uh, certainly, everybody's well aware of the, the uh, semiconductor and, and you know chip shortage. So you've got labor issues, you've got uh, input issues, um, and, and you know you add to that uh, increasing rate. It's definitely going to create uh, stress within the supply base. It's a concern from a commercial aero standpoint, and it's also a concern for the defense complex who relies on the same supply chain to kind of support the war fighter. So this is definitely something that's getting a lot of attention right now. So then, Jason, broadly within uh, the aerospace and defense supply base, so what are some of the other trends that you're seeing? Is there anything else that you want to bring up kind of uh, along those same lines? Yeah, well, there's certainly a lot of reshaping of uh, within the supply base. So, for instance, you know, for a long time, this idea of large conglomerates had kind of been in vogue. 
And as we're seeing now, uh, that's no longer the case. So if we look at GE, they've announced that they're going to split the company up into you know, you know smaller groups. Um, we suspect that that's going to continue. Um, you, you know, that's that's kind of where the pendulum has swung at this point. The other thing we're seeing as a supplier is uh, a lot more interest from our customers in dual sourcing. And the thought there being that that's one way to kind of mitigate against uh, continuity of supply concerns. It's also potentially another way to drive costs down. Again, that's that's the theory. Um, you know, in, in my career, what I've seen is that pendulum tends to swing from a, a single source strategy to a dual, dual source strategy over a few years. And in my experience, uh, that dual source strategy may look good on paper, may be attractive to supply chain organizations, but doesn't typically deliver the kind of benefits that uh, OEMs and tier ones anticipate. But nonetheless, that seems to be kind of uh, where some of our customers are, are interested in playing right now. What about with mergers and acquisitions within uh, the aerospace and defense uh, landscapes? What are you seeing in that area as well? Yeah, so in 2021, uh, we saw a lot of defense-related transactions. You know, there's there's an old adage uh, that defense is defensive, and basically what that means is, you know, defense-related content uh, stays typically stays strong through uh, downturns, and that was certainly the case during the pandemic. The commercial uh, aero sector took a big hit. Uh, defense stayed pretty stable, so a lot of uh, acquirers. Uh, became more interested in defense-related assets and businesses than they were before the pandemic. And so naturally there were more defense-related transactions, which was uh, a bit unusual versus you know prior years, but that was certainly the case in 2021. What we're seeing now is uh, there's a lot of liquidity in the market, a lot of dollars chasing few deals, and uh, therefore valuations have continued to increase. So uh, businesses that are trading are trading in multiples that are, you know, significantly higher than they were maybe just a few years ago. So looking forward, um, we expect more commercial aero deal flow, uh, particularly next year. You know, you have a lot of businesses that weren't performing well over the past year, maybe had been interested in selling, but uh, certainly weren't in a position to do so. So they kind of pulled back, batten down the hatches, you know, kept operating the business. And now they're at a point where, Businesses looking healthy, balance sheets look good, and we expect some of those businesses will be coming to market. And then going back to my earlier comment about, uh, you know, conglomerates um, kind of being no longer the, the flavor of the month, we expect you'll see more portfolio reshaping, divestitures, uh, carve-outs, et cetera, uh, as, as companies continue to either split up assets or uh, shed kind of non-core assets. So, that should create opportunities within, uh, particularly within the commercial aero sector, and, and and again should increase deal flow in 2022. Excellent stuff, excellent stuff, Jason. As we begin to wrap up our conversation here today, uh, do you have any final words? Anything you want to leave our audience with here today, just in terms of summaries or uh, or closing the books on 2021 and looking ahead to 2022? Yeah, so 2021 was uh, quite a year. We feel really good as Technetics and Enpro about where we are at and uh, our ability to support as the market returns. Certainly, I think for the broader uh, aerospace and defense market, um, there's certainly some reason to be concerned about uh, key suppliers within the supply base. Uh, I know that's getting a lot of attention at, at uh, different levels of industry and government. So, you know, hopefully uh, that all pans out and we can, you know, keep key suppliers engaged and ready to support the ramp. We do know that the fundamentals for aerospace and defense uh, still remain strong. We do know that these markets will continue to recover. 
Uh, and we do know we'll reach pre-pandemic levels. It's just a question of uh, how and when. But, you know, we feel really good about the market. We're excited about where the things are going. Uh, there's a lot of growth opportunities ahead and uh, we're excited to support. Excellent stuff. Jason Riggs, Director of Strategy for the Americas at Technetics. Jason, thank you so much for joining us here for this episode of the show. Thank you. Appreciate it. Absolutely. And everyone out there, thank you for tuning into this episode of Getting Technetical with Technetics. Of course, for more, you can visit Apple Podcasts or Spotify uh, to get up to date with the latest episodes of the show to keep up to date with everything going on at Technetics. Of course, you can also visit the Technetics website for more there as well. And you can subscribe to stay up to date with the latest podcast episodes and so much more. Make sure to do that because we will be back soon with new episodes of the podcast. You don't want to miss those. But for this one, for my guest today, Jason Riggs, I've been your host, Tyler Kern. Thanks for joining us. 